Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you, God. Renew our minds. Amen. That is what we're praying for this morning, that God renews our mind. Let us pray and then we can go right into the word of God. Thank you, O God, for granting us another day, O God. Thank you for waking us up this morning, O God. We come before your throne, God, prepared and ready to receive your word. Lord, we ask that you allow your word to penetrate our heart and renew our minds, O God. Lord, we give you honor and we give you praise, O God. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, O God. We thank you for the plans that you have purposed for us in our lives, O God. We do not take it for granted, O God, that you created us with purpose. We give you glory and we give you honor this morning. As we say amen, amen, and amen. Good morning and again, welcome, welcome, welcome to Bible Deliverance. We're so glad that you tuned in this morning. Amen. Glory to God. I want to thank you. Thank you all for how you have been supporting the podcast. And I want to say hello to those that are following us that are not in the United States. We have a lot of followers around the globe now, officially around the globe. So I thank you for tuning in and I thank you for supporting us. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about change. Because as children of the Most High God, stagnancy is not an option. We cannot sit still and not be prepared for change, willing to work through and around and to be changed. Amen. We sometimes become stagnant in our ways because we resist change. We get comfortable with and in our own lives. See, we have defied these dreams and and our goals and and we have gotten just about to the point where we're starting to realize our dreams and and reaching our goals and and here comes change presenting itself and and we become hard pressed to resist every aspect of it see change has a way of disrupting our norms and and sometimes even leveling us back to ground Zero, And I know what that's like. I've been there before when everything is going right and, and now something happens and, and everything is turned around and everything that you have built up, you have now have to start over fresh. That's what change will do because change sometimes costs us time and it'll cost us money. It'll cost us status and influence. But I want you to know this morning that change is an essential component of life. There's no way around it. I hate to tell you this. If nobody ever told you before, I'm going to tell you change as it is an essential component of life. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, Samuel anoints Saul and he gives an account to Saul as to what he can expect and how the spirit of the Lord will come upon him. And in verse 6, the scripture reads, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. The scripture continues in verse 7 with Samuel telling Saul that moving forward, that he is to do whatever his hands find to do. For God is with him. In other words, do not be afraid. God is with you. You're going to face some things. You're going to face some challenges. You're going to have some tasks that you need to embark on. Don't let anything make you fearful. For God is with you. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you, you have invited the Holy Spirit into your life. And the Holy Spirit has accepted the invitation. And there is no way that you can move forward and allow the Holy Spirit to govern and guide you and not be willing to embrace change. 
For if you are, you are a living example of change. You are a living example of transformation. To embark on a God-sized assignment, you have to be willing to consistently adapt to change. Sometimes at a moment's notice, because like Joshua, there may come a time when God calls you to finish the assignment of another which will require you to change your plans. (laughs) It will require you to change your mindset and your direction. Joshua is best known as Moses' second in command, who takes over and leads the Israelites into the promised land after Moses' death. In Joshua 3 and 7, the scripture reads, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Joshua went down in history as the one who escorted the Israelites into the promised land. Because when the circumstances came that were beyond his control, he was able to adapt And he didn't shun change. Life is all about change. Life is all about growth. Life is all about the sunny days, the cloudy days, and yes, even the rainy days. With yesterday looking different than the day before and tomorrow requiring more from us than even today. One's inability to embrace positive change will stunt your growth. And will halt God's ordained purpose in your life. An inability to embrace change is a crippling handicap that labels one as stagnant. Think of this of it this way. We know water is absolutely indispensable for human life. But at the same time, all water will not sustain life. Stagnant water can compromise the quality of life. Stagnant water can also kill. A state of stagnancy goes against the very principles of life. The word stagnant is defined as the cease of flow, the cease of movement, inactive. Stagnancy involves no intentional effort to be purposeful. Stagnant water breeds biofilms, bacteria, fungi, and disease. And if consumed internally, it can provide you with an awesome or incredible sickness. It can plague your whole system. It can ultimately kill you. I want you to understand this this morning. Even though stagnancy involves no intentional effort to be purposeful, even stagnancy bows to the principle of change. Because like life, even without intentional effort exalted, life circumstances add to even the state of stagnancy. Keep in mind, while the water sits stagnant, it gathers elements just like we gather and endure circumstances surrounding us. And as elements of the environment are added to stagnant water, change occurs. The water may become darker, a little more dirtier, and in some cases thicker. It begins to smell. It draws bugs and and parasites. The point I am making this morning is that change is inevitable with or without your participation. With or without our participation, change will impact our lives. It's up to each of us to utilize change to better serve ourselves and others. Jesus said in John 7:38, whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This scripture lets us know that stagnancy is not an option for believers. 
So for every reason that you can come up with not to change, to remain stuck, or to be comfortable with where you are mentally, spiritually, physically, or even emotionally is not of God and does not align with his plan for the flow of your life. We have to shut down the spirit of comfortability, stubbornness, and our resistance to change. Anyone would be hard-pressed to prove that they have faith in God but hate change. The biggest opposition to change is the approaching and the facing of the unknown. We tend to become comfortable with what we know works what has been working for us, what we understand, what we have been seeing play out in our lives over and over the years. The problem is all of these things go against the principle of faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But we fight against change. Because we don't want to move according to hope. We don't want to know that we have to depend on something other than ourselves. We want to know and understand. Nor do we want to rely on things not seen. We want to stay where we have seen what works. Faith in God requires us to discipline our hearts, our minds, our spirit. To trust God and believe his word as it says, all things work together for good of them that love the Lord. We struggle with and hate change and discipline. The message translation of Proverbs 29 and 1 explains the detriment involved with shunning discipline and change as it reads, For people who hate discipline and only get more stubborn, there'll come a day when life tumbles and they'll break, but by then it'll be too late to help them. See, as long as we allow stubbornness and our comfortability to consume us, we cannot proclaim to maintain trust in God. It is through the changes around us and our ability to embrace change in our circumstances and our ability to embrace change against our own plans. That's when God can use us for his glory. God should not have to fight with his own children because of their stubbornness and because of their inability to change. And then he has to turn around and fight against the wickedness of Satan too? Why should God have to struggle with us about embracing change when he has come through for us time and time again? When we are assured that he always has and always will have our backs. Why do we struggle with it? God has proven himself over and over again. He's reminded us over and over again that he is with us. Before I get into the changes that we need to embrace to fulfill our individual God-ordained purpose, I want to clear the air and tell you what we as believers are not to change. See, Satan wants to convey the message that everything should be open to change. You have some trying to exalt an agenda that calls for for morals and ethics and doctrinal beliefs to be changed to accommodate the changes in our culture. Let me tell you why this is a farce that can lead to the demise of our culture and humanity as a whole. If we commit to continuous changes concerning our morals and, and ethics and doctrinal beliefs based on the trends of the time, then unbalance and instability will become an embraced norm upon which nothing of any validity, substance, or truth can be established. Trends become popular based on temporary feelings and emotions which are condoned for just a period of time. 
Seasons come and go. But what would happen if our morals, ethics, and doctrinal beliefs changed according to the seasons? Imagine for one moment that in the spring, summer, and fall, murder was illegal and unethical. But during the winter season, murder was considered legal, permissible, and ethical. Or imagine during summer, fall, and winter, stealing was permissible, acceptable, and legal. But during the spring season, it was considered illegal and unethical. As crazy as these two examples sound, this is the premise upon which the concept of changing what is moral and ethical based on the trends of our current culture imply. Morality is the outlining of the principles of right and wrong behavior. And ethical is pertaining to or dealing with the morals or the principles of morality. It is amazing that for the most part, all of humanity can agree concerning ethics and morals when it comes to how we should treat and act and react towards one another. Where morality and ethics seem to create a division in opinion and raise a protest for change is when it comes to what is moral and ethical as it applies to one's physical feelings and self-gratification. Galatians 5 and 17 forewarns us about this very mindset. As it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The popular consensus is, if it won't land me in jail and I didn't harm anyone else, then it's all good. See, those in the world are just trying to stay out of jail, while those who are children of God, who are believers, are trying to get into the kingdom of heaven. And God is clear about what it will take to get into his kingdom. And he's also very clear about what will keep us out of his kingdom. If we scroll down to Galatians 5 verses 19 through 21, it reads, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that these such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The world is screaming, I don't believe in God. The world is screaming. The Bible is antiquated. Don't judge me. However, aside from all their misguided protests, we as believers are charged to align our lives with what is pleasing to the kingdom of God and not condone or be complacent to what will essentially keep another out of the kingdom of God, whether they are professed believers or not. In other words, you don't get to say, well, that's them. They do what I want to do. I'm just going to go along with the program because I don't want to have any conflict. You don't get to say that as a confessed believer. Romans 14, 13 tells us that we are to make the decision to never be a stumbling block in the path of another, which means you are charged to stand on righteousness because the minute you decide to falter in regards to your stance on righteousness, you're creating a stumbling block. You know, when you work for a corporate conglomerate, especially one that is publicly traded, They have a public relations team in place to devise statements to be given to the public in moments of upheaval. 
This morning, I'm acting on behalf of the public relations team of the kingdom of God, providing you with a statement that you can give to the masses, that you can use in any situation on behalf of the kingdom of God, because you are a servant of his. If you want to, grab yourself a pen and paper and here it goes. This is your statement to any of those that come against you and telling you, I don't believe in your God. Don't judge me. These are the words that you can recite. You and I have been given free will by God Almighty, whether or not you choose to believe in him or the Bible. As I exalt my free will, I have made the conscious decision to operate according to the mandate outlined in what I believe to be God's word. And because my faith steers my life, my decisions, and guides what I condone and lend my efforts to exalt, I cannot support what the Bible deems unrighteous, unethical, or a sin. As I respect your free will, it is my prayer that you respect mine. If you didn't get a chance to write that believer's public relations statement down, don't worry about it. I've made it available to you on our website. I need you to understand this morning what is ethical and moral is rooted in what is true. The most valuable attribute of truth is consistency. See, truth is true in the morning, it's true in the evening, it's true in the winter, spring, summer, and fall. Which is why truth is the only thing that we can depend on. Psalms 119.160 tells us that the sum of God's word is truth. And every one of his righteous rules endures forever. The moment truth can be altered according to the trends and the circumstances of this world, it loses its value. It is no longer dependable because it has been transformed into a lie. And by definition, it is now outside of the will of God. As we talk about change this morning and our need to embrace change so that God can use us, we have to keep in the forefront of our minds that the ultimate goal is to always find favor in God's sight. The changes we as believers must embrace are changes concerning the shackles that keep us tied to mindsets and material things that redirect our commitment to the word of God. And that have no value in the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes, I'm going to just be honest with you. Sometimes religion has a way of keeping us stagnant. What, am I, what are you saying, Pastor? Religion is the longest running trend in human existence. The change we as believers need to embrace are changes that shun trends like religion. We need to shut down religion and embrace the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Have no fear, I will be preaching soon on the difference between religion and doctrine. See, religion is fixated on church buildings, programs, auxiliaries, platforms, and titles. But we need to redirect our mindsets to embrace the doctrine of Jesus Christ which calls for us not to be so hell-bent on getting folks to come inside the four walls of church, but taking the word of God to the streets, meeting the people where they are. The doctrine of Jesus Christ calls us to stop degrading and judging those whose lifestyles have embraced sin as a norm and to exalt love and have conversations with them about the glory and the love of God. We are charged to share our testimonies about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself was not a fan of religion. 
which is why he consistently reprimanded the Pharisees. He called the Pharisees hypocrites over six times. The Pharisees, the church folks, the religious folks. Why? If you read Matthew 23, you will see Jesus first reprimanded the Pharisees concerning them not walking out what they were preaching. Then he condemned them for wanting an audience to see everything they do as they were seeking attention and confirmation from man instead of God. Jesus also condemned them for exalting the context of the law without the spirit of the law in which it was written. Jesus went on to tell them and to proclaim that the greatest among you are servants, not those who seek to be served. In order for us as believers to walk out the mandate of God and fulfill his ordained purpose, we are going to have to change how we worship, how we evangelize, how we greet people, how we embrace people, how we reach people, how we teach people, and how accessible we are to the masses. It's time for believers to come out of the box of religion and actually live out the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Religion holds on to traditions and rituals that have nothing to do with salvation, while missing every opportunity and every resource accessible to them right now that could impact and grow the kingdom of God. Isaiah 43 verses 8 through 19 read forget the former things do not dwell on the past see I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not receive and perceive it I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland you're sitting around talking about how this world has become a wilderness how dark it has become it's a wasteland and God is saying Okay, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Open your eyes. Do you not see it? Forget the way you used to do things. Don't dwell in the past. I'm doing a new thing. I'm making some changes. We have experienced so much change around the world over the last two years. We have had to embrace changes we never would have imagined. The term new norm became popular. Now we hardly ever hear it because guess what? We're living out the new norm. As this world has been changed forever. And as individuals, we have to change or we will die spiritually stagnant. We have to stand on what we profess and believe. Which means there has to be some changes in even the way we govern our households. How we act and react to situations. How we speak, what we speak about and what we don't speak about. What we support and what we don't support. Our attitudes need to change so that they align with the wills and the ways of God. Absent of the influence of this world. Let me break it down for you. We cannot continue to profess to be believers, saved, sanctified, married, and committed to our marriages as ordained by God, but allow our grown children to lay up in our house and fornicate under our roof. We have to change our actions and reactions to be disciplined according to the mandate of God, meaning that we don't get to respond to profanity with profanity. We don't join in supporting conversations rooted in the spirit of division. The word of God has ordained us to be the mouthpiece, 
for the kingdom of heaven. So we have to change our mindsets. We have to make the sacrifice to take the time to study the word of God. So when presented with opportunity to speak about the word of God or the goodness of God, we can speak with wisdom. We can speak with intellect and godly dialect. We profess that we are not ashamed of the gospel. So we need to change every aspect of our being to align with what we profess. So that when we are asked to support or exalt the agendas of this world, we don't only deny support, but we're able to lead others to Christ. And last but certainly not least, our attitude has to change so that our altitude changes. We are heirs to the throne of God. We are royalty connected to the largest, most resourceful, most powerful kingdom in existence. But we consistently allow the confines of the world to manipulate our decisions our goals, our aspirations. We consistently allow it to compromise our faith in the words outlined in scripture that says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's time for a change, y'all. If you've ever sincerely repented for your sins, you could not have done it without a commitment to change. Even in the process and outcome of healing, it involves change. Change, be it good or bad, has the power to create a domino effect. The change in place to create the domino effect is determined by who or what is exalted, by who or what shifts the culture. If you research how cultures are established, you will find that cultures are externally affected by means of contact with and within communities. Which means we can no longer sit on the sidelines, isolated by the religious confines of our programs and prayer circles. We have to change our focus and become more intentional about standing on the word of God, about spreading the gospel, about being examples of the royalty that we are connected to. It's funny, if you ever follow royalty, they are certainly not perfect. They are not. But I tell you one thing, those of royal status never seek to even dress like fit in with or follow the trends of common folk. They set the trends. They set the caliber of class. And they are revered because they won't bow to anyone or anything other than their king. Are we or are we not heirs to the throne of the king of kings? And if we are, when are we going to step into our proper place? Romans 12 and 2 tells us, Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The renewal of our mind is a commitment to continual growth, a commitment to continual change. The scripture goes on to read that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, which means you're going to face some challenges. Get over it. Life is not going to be a dance through a field of tulips. Things are not going to always look good. You won't know what's on the test. You won't even understand the need for the test. But the purpose is consistent. That you may discern what is the will of God. Some of you listening right now may be struggling with change. Because it's scary. 
I'm not going to tell you it's not. Yes, change can be scary. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has left you with a promise and he said that I will never leave or forsake you. So what is your problem? If I'm talking to you and you are facing change and you are a little nervous, a little scary, a little uncertain, I say to you this morning, pray to God for him to renew your mind. When you pray to God for him to renew your mind, you are essentially asking God to wipe your hard drive, to remove any self-inflicted virus-driven mindset so that you can discern how to embrace and handle the change before you. I want to also say to you, thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to say to you this morning, stop sharing all of your business with everybody. Because the more people you share your business with, the more feedback you're getting. And the less likely you are to hear the voice of God. I know some of you like to have someone that you declare as your prayer partner. To partner with you in prayer. But I'm telling you, if you're struggling with change right now, this is not the time for a prayer partner. This is about you and God. You don't need a prayer partner. You don't need an intercessor right now. This is a you and God thing. Listen to what I'm saying. What God has for you in this season, he wants to reveal to you in an intimate time between you and him. The renewing of our minds sometimes involves renewing how we worship and even how we pray, how we enter into the presence of God, especially when facing change. The scripture refers to renewing and testing so that we can discern the will of God. Renewing, testing, renewing, testing, renewing, testing. It's an ongoing cycle of life. A cycle deemed by God to be good, acceptable, and perfect. And being stagnant is not an option. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, glory, glory, glory. We ask that you grant us peace and composure as we accept change as a continual process of life. Lord, we ask that you give us discernment, courage, and understanding, along with the tenacity to rebuke all forms of stagnancy. Lord, we want to work diligently for your kingdom, changing what we can according to your will, according to your way. Lord, we ask that you inundate our hearts and our minds with wisdom, as we face the deceptions of this world, as we stand on your unmistakable, unchanging truth, Lord, discipline every aspect of our being to strive for what is good, acceptable, and perfect in your sight. To you, O God, we give the glory. To you, O God, we give honor. To you, O God, we give praise. Amen, amen, and amen. I thank you all for joining Bible Deliverance this morning. I encourage you, go on our website. Submit a prayer request if you like. If you have a question, a biblical question, you can also submit that. If God has put it on your heart to sow into this ministry, you can do that as well on our website. And the statement that I gave today in the message is also available to you on our website, www.bibledeliverance.org. Be blessed.
you washed away. 